the enemy's just there pounding you with lies and deceit and twisting your thoughts. I have found that the minute you talk about something, it's almost like all of that bound up energy from, from the devil that tries to take us out falls away. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. Um, my guest today uh, will really be able to bring a dimension that I haven't been able to speak about or bring a dimension that none of our guests have had on the podcast to date. Uh, today, we've got Dr. Danny Chia, uh, who is a Christian. He is a psychiatrist um, and done some phenomenal work um, over his career in lots of different groups at the moment, specializing in children and families. He can speak to that in a little bit. But he's got, you know, his Christian faith and his profession kind of collide, and he's got some real handles on, uh, on psychology, on mindset, on self-management, and we're going to get into those today so that you can become a better entrepreneur, you know, play the long game, make it sustainable so that you can have your greatest impact. Hey, welcome, Dr. Danny. Why don't you tell us who is Danny Chia? Hey, Wes. Um, thanks for having me um, on your program and I'm really pleased to be able to, um, to contribute a little bit to what you're doing in this ministry and I'm, I'm looking forward to what I can learn from this um, conversation um, as well. Uh, so I, I live in Melbourne. Um, I'm from Malaysia originally. I, I grew up there, lived there for 20 years and then I moved to uh, uh, to Australia about 20 years ago to do universities, to study and then uh, and work. I currently work, uh, so I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist and I work as the head of clinical services at a child and uh, youth mental health service in a, in a, uh, in a city suburb of, um, um, of Melbourne with one of the large metropolitan, metropolitan hospitals here. We have about 120 staff in a department that I lead together with the operations manager and and um, you know, we're quite busy in our work at, at the moment um, in terms of um, growing the, the service and as well as, um, you know, introducing innovations uh, in um, the area of child and uh, youth mental health. Also, I, I attend a, a local church in Melbourne. I've been pretty um, connected throughout my journey um, growing up uh, in, in church life, uh, serving in ministry, and I, I do quite a bit of um, um, volunteer through the music ministry. I, I play keys and a band at the churches throughout um, the different places I've lived uh, in, and it's really helped me to connect with people uh, quite easily, plus doing something that I really enjoy that's very different to what I do at work. Um, over the last five or six years, through a series of, I guess, other challenges in my, my life and, and um, having to frequently travel back to Malaysia to uh, support my parents at that time, um, I had the opportunity to then start uh, delivering mental health talks through, um, through to a number of churches there in terms of just equipping Christians and Christian leaders to understand a bit about um, uh, mental health from a Christian perspective, dealing with issues about stigma, do some workshops around equipping uh, families and carers and, and leaders around uh, what they are 
you know, potentially doing as church leaders in terms of being sort of a default mental health support for a lot of people in the community. And so, and, and, and over the, um, it's, it's growing through, through word of mouth and I've had um, opportunities to kind of uh, do that in a number of churches across Melbourne in Australia, um, one in, in New York as well. And so yeah, that's, I think, how um, some of this has come about. And I kind of do that in a, in a volunteer capacity um, uh, while working full time. So yeah, it's trying to juggle all, all that. But what's been really great is meeting different people along the way uh, that's helped to shape my perspectives, being able to learn um, from different people in different walks of life and different industries and and hear the questions that, that come up and the conversations that come up that's really helped to inform the way that I work, the way that I uh, you know, um, provide some of these education sessions to churches. And yeah, so that's kind of a bit of what I, what I do and uh, where, where I've come from. Hey, I'm not sure if you heard, but I've got an event coming up called the Kingdom Business Summit. We've been running these since 2012, all over Australia, been in the US and New Zealand, and there's one coming up real soon. And I invite you to grab your tickets, whether you attend in person in Brisbane, Australia, or on our live stream. It's two and a half days of the most practical kingdom business training you could ever imagine. I'll be speaking through how to scale up your business. I've got Olympic medalists. I've got the father of the marketplace movement, Ed Silvoso, dialing in. I've got a, a, a couple of local entrepreneurs who have built significant businesses. There's going to be a time of networking and a time of fun. It's going to be a phenomenal, life-changing event. To find out more, just go to kingdombusiness.com global kingdombusiness.global it's the most preeminent event you could ever go to the most practical event you could ever go to and we're going to have a whole bunch of fun all right grab your ticket soon i look forward to seeing you at the event let's go back to this episode um i want to jump straight into i guess the you know the pressures of today that there'll be people listening who are you know running a business they they may have just started their business or they might be you know decades into their business um but I've got a theory around the pressures of today. <clears throat> you know, like, like if I get an instant message from somebody who's like, hey, you know, I'm interested in doing some coaching or some marketing with you or something, like if I don't get back to them in an hour, they've probably gone and found somebody else, right? You know, like, um, and, and that's kind of like all through the day and night now that we're global. We go to bed here, America wakes up, you know, there. And so, so there's these pressures and, and you know, and, and the kids want to go out every night and, you know, one's doing ballet and one's doing soccer and, then you've got to try and hold this marriage together and possibly both people are working in some cases. Like, you know, and then obviously church and, 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 and they're all beautiful things. But I look at the pressures of today and I have a theory and, and I want you to speak into it. Um, I have a theory that the pressures that we deal with today, if they were put in front of somebody 100 years ago, might have even put them in an institution, right? B- because, of, because of how we're wired. So I guess I'm wondering, like, like, is it a lot worse? Or actually, did they just have their own pressures 100 years ago that were just as bad? They just look different, right? Have you, have you got any intel on whether it actually is worse or whether it's just different? Um, or is it, actually, is it actually just a lot more pressure than it would have been 100 years ago, example? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I, I think every um, generation uh, throughout um, the history of mankind has, have, have had to contend with a set of different issues. And I think they sort of build from on each other as well. So I think it's not necessarily discrete um, issues that generations um, kind of um, have to deal with. And I just I just think you know in terms of our, um, what we're dealing with at the moment is around um, the online world, connectivity, social media, and all that. And I think that also builds upon a previous 
generation dealing with industrialization, for example. So it's no, there is a connection between what previous generations have to kind of to, to deal with. I think it's uh, really difficult to kind of compare. And then um, so in some ways it becomes really hard to kind of say that somehow uh, you know, we've got it wrong or, you know, there's just a lot of different ways that we can, we can approach, I guess, the, the way we, we, we understand um, the, the current situation. And sometimes when we're going, uh, we, we all, all generations have to go through something to work through it. And so in that process of working through it, there's a level of uncertainty, the lot of doubts and questions. And then I, I think the natural response to doubts and questions is to reference that with something that we know and compare. So, so we're not quite sure what we're doing. We're still working it out, muddling our way through life, and 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 that's part of life. And then um, in that level of with that level of uncertainty about the future and what the next set of challenges will be in the future, we then kind of refer back to history or kind of think, oh well, if um, we are having these problems because we're not doing it um, in a similar way that a previous generation might uh, deal with or making those comparisons. So that, that's a natural way that we kind of think through problems as well. But I would say that some of this is just sitting with some of the uncertainty and kind of muddling away through things, but also trusting um, that, you know, human beings have su survived all sorts of different challenges throughout each generation and kind of being able to hold that, um, I guess, bigger um, worldview that helps us to navigate this season, but also trusting God and helping us to work through what this current generation has to contend with. Because what's constant throughout that is, is God and and um, being able to stand on his promises. And, and while the application or the different issues that we have to contend with are different, uh, God's word and his promises are, are constant throughout history. So I think being able to use that reference point, being able to trust humanity in, in that sense, um, and sometimes stepping away from some of the doom gloom uh, interpretation of what's going on in our world today. Because I think that adds a level of anxiety um, that kind of creates a very negative way of trying to solve problems rather than embracing what we've got and looking at what we can do to make the best out of situations that we're in. Yeah. So if we just stay right, right where we are now, we all, we hear these things around, you know, like don't be connected to your phone. It, you know, it's dangerous. Don't, don't look at it before you go to bed. Um, you know, like too much, don't be too connected. Have we got any like evidence yet that it is detrimental to our brain? Like, uh, the pressures, I guess, you know, the outworking would be anxiety, panic attacks. I, I don't know. I guess I, d I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question. But do we, because I, I love it. I love the fact that I can get a message and within six minutes I've written, you know, we've, we've communicated 35 times and come to an answer. Like, like that speed and that, like, I'm, 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 a, big, I'm a big fan of it because it means I can move really quickly. But, but I guess, like... And, and then we hear that it's bad and there's the blue light and all it, it. Do we actually have evidence yet to say that it is very, very detrimental to our brain function, our psychology, our mindset, our mental health, our physical health? Is it is it proven? Yeah, there are a number of um, different situations that we've, we're starting to understand that kind of, uh, I guess, contribute to poor physical and um, mental health with regards to the use of technology. I was reading um, an article recently around the impact of our posture and the way that we look at our phones and the impact on our necks and back and, and the 
the equivalent amount of kilos that puts in your neck when we um, sitting or looking at our phones in a particular posture. So obviously prolonged use will have impact on our physical uh, health in that sense. Um, long periods of um, uh, exposure to um, screen time and, and lights um, can actually uh, impact on our sleep as well, and, a, and not just a, a number of hours of sleep, but a quality of our sleep. Uh, typically, um, when we look at screens, because of the, the, the light and stimulation, um, our eyes, our, our blink rate actually reduces. So we're not blinking as, as often because we're kind of like uh, staring at a, at a, at a, at a at a, at a light as opposed to say uh, reading a book and so then ha that has impact on our eye health and, and and a number of things like that but also the amount of stimulation that's constant can um, kind of increase I guess what our brain has to do in terms of filtering the noise that comes in from the environment which our brain does naturally so I think that's an element of of that um, saying that I, I guess I'm just I'm not a business owner but I'm imagining you know, there are a lot of pressures and challenges that make it quite difficult to, in spite of knowing some of these things, to then be able to just tune, tune out or turn off your phone because there are repercussions, uh, there are consequences, which are also equally challenging too. So it's about balancing all those things. I, I think it's about kind of looking at how do we kind of set structures or routines in our life that help us to manage that rather than kind of saying, oh, this is good or that's bad and, and looking at how do we find a, uh, point of balance and kind of knowing where our limits are because as much as we need to um, achieve certain tasks or do certain things and meet those um, demands if we get to a point where we're exhausted and overwhelmed then our ability to actually perform at our best um, actually reduces as well so it's about trying to uh, perhaps find a way to balance all those aspects one of the things that I've learned and I'm trying to do really is looking at some of um, the spiritual practices that we know, um, <laughs> uh, we know as Christians that perhaps is practiced less uh, these days in terms of, say, observing the Sabbath, having a, a, a rest time in a week that's, um, that's a, 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 a regular time where we tune out from a number of things to allow, not just, not just for us to rest, uh, both physically, mentally and spiritually, but also to have a period of time in a day that's part of our day, week to week routine to know that God loves us even though we don't produce anything on that day. And that has um, a very strong grounding uh, effect on our identity and, and our ability to navigate all the other challenges that we have throughout uh, the week as well. That's one of many, many spiritual practices that I, I've, I've learned and I'm trying to kind of incorporate in my life. It, it is challenging. Um, especially, you know, you've got a number of deadlines and uh, different things. So I, I think um, as much as it's about um, kind of the amount of uh, the screen time and how much we're connected and how it impacts on the health, the other aspect of it is trying to find other ways to um, prior, prioritize or be intentional about spaces in our life that then help us to manage uh, those challenges a little bit better. So those examples were quite physical, all right? Body positioning and posturing. Is there another layer, right, of, you know, what's the, um, what's the long-term effects of looking at somebody's highlight reel and, and, and you can't not compare. You can't not start to, you know, and then, and then the default of that for some people could be, I'm not enough, I don't measure up, I need to, I need to work harder and burn my family to be out. You know, like, like in, in terms of mental health, like surely that can't be healthy um, 
can you, can you, can because that's not really like posture. That's just literally over time. You mentioned identity. Like, do, do you see that what you consume will shape your identity over time, maybe over weeks or maybe months or maybe years, and that having a massive detrimental effect to people's mindset and mentality? Yeah, absolutely. We know the impact of um, social media on body image issues and identity and some of those things. I think one of the challenges, I guess, with a material that we read online or see online is that it, it's um, it, it's very explicit information. So, um, you know, you know, it's images, it's words, um, it, you know, the kind of it, it's unfortunately it's just one aspect of information. What is missing, I think, from that is um, being able to have context. You know, when you when you watch it, when you watch a reel or read a post, um, we have that that snap of that moment, but actually not a lot lot of other contexts around it, which then perhaps balance balances our worldview or ideas around uh, different things. The other part of um, communication that happens in, on, online in that kind of um, both written and visual uh, material is that it, there's not an opportunity for us to use our imagination. And I think the core of it is not this, I think obviously too much stimulation is, is one aspect, but I think the core of the challenges in, in uh, social media and con being connected and, 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 and being on, online all the time really is, it, it displaces um, spaces in our mind and our thought and our in our day-to-day -day life where imagination takes uh, is allowed to take place and when and imagination comes in in two different layers I think one where there is imagination um, to be creative to come up with new ideas different ideas rather than to just expand on the same or repeat the, the same um, ideas that you've you've read or, or, or watched. So I think imagination at, at that level. But the other part of communication is our ability to think and contemplate and imagine about another person's mindset. So as we're talking, and obviously we're having a conversation with with a um, exchange of words and, and 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 social visual cues. Part of what goes on is oh, I'm I'm thinking in my mind about oh. What, what's um, going on in my mind as I hear Wes speak. And similarly, I wonder what's on Wes's Wes's mind when you ask me these questions in terms of your context. So that's what we call um, kind of, um, uh, you know, in, in my field of work, mentalization. So kind of uh, our ability to kind of imagine uh, the, the mind of another person with reference to um, ourselves in terms of how we are thinking about what's going on in our own mind. That's a very important part of communication that happens in a lot of in-person communication, in, in quality time and relationships. And that aspect's actually missing with online communication. So I think um, yeah, so as much as it is about the stimulation, I think it's also uh, the loss of imagination that's the core of the difficulty and problem. I, th I think that's so good. Because I mean, I guess I started out by going, okay, well, um, how, do, how, do we, how do we view something and take inspiration without comparison right so because it's it's nice to consume things and check out what people are doing and um but what you're saying is um we need the balanced context behind it which we which we normally have in general conversation but we miss when we just consume so when we're just scrolling we're not consciously thinking about okay well what's going on in this person's life to be able to do this which we would naturally do we, we're just almost switching off and just going bang 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 and, and just gorging yeah. ourselves on 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 
on consumption with no context, which is... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with so much consumption without the imagination, then we're left with this, uh, um, an empty space. And the natural response to that with the consumption mindset is to fill the empty space with more stimulation. So more posts, um, more emails, uh, more images. Um, and that's also kind of what leads people to put a, a lot of material up there that then affects themselves and, and others. And, 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 and it's almost like a, a, a kind of a, like a response to kind of fill up the sense of emptiness that may come from ex excess um, information and stimulation in the absence of ability to imagine, to contemplate, to think and to reflect, which, all which are all important parts of um, our being and, um, and shaping our identity as people. I love this so much, right? Because I tell you what, I, and you've probably seen this from your friends on social media. Like somebody puts a post up and says, I'm going off Facebook for 30 days for a detox. So I'm like, so you really only have two speeds. You have, I'm all in gorging myself and I can't control myself. So I'm going to completely disconnect from the world, right? I'm like, surely there's a healthy middle ground. Surely, surely we can work out, you know, and, and by the way, there's probably a place for completely removing temptation. Probably we would do that with alcohol, substance abuse and things like that. So that's smart. But I'm like, then I see those people, they do it once a year. They're like, right. And now I've had enough. Well, I'm like, well, maybe we need to have a conversation around how do we healthily consume social media w without it, you know, having all the knock on negative effects that it has through comparison and things like that. And I really like how practical you said it's like actually just slowing it down a little bit and adding some context to instead of just smashing through as many reels as you can get to right just just slowing it down a little bit and and thinking it through and then by default you're turning your own imagination back on which means you're not just gorging yourself on stimulus so I reckon there's there's a lot to be uh, I guess I guess pursued in that kind of middle ground of making it sustainable so that it's still valuable and entertainment, but it's not detrimental over time. And maybe one of the solutions to have phones with a shorter battery life. I was having uh, dinner with a friend <laughs> and he was on his phone the entire time until his, his phone died and he started talking to me. Um, so, you know, it's, um, and some, of the, some of this is also kind of in terms of, um, you know, as we innovate, we have more sophisticated phones that just last forever. And that sort of, takes away some, some of the natural things that kind of interrupt some of these processes. We would go to places where there's no Wi-Fi or sorry, no, no 4G, 5G or whatever, and then you have to kind of talk to, to someone next to you. But now we're extending Wi-Fi everywhere. And, and I've been to places where people say, you know, Wi-Fi is a human right and you, you need to have it in public places. And so I, I think they're, they're natural um, I, due to the limitations of technology, there were natural interruptions to some of the the problems that we have today with the with connectivity, but as, I guess as um, technology uh, develops and grows even further, we have to be then more intentional ourselves and self-managing some of these things. And it's really hard to prescribe exactly how many hours somebody needs to, is able to go online. It's a little bit like you know um, uh, people who have kind of. Um, given advice that children need to sleep X number of hours or can only use um, uh, so, uh, you know, technology for X number of hours. It, it, we are, we're all so different. So part of that is really having the conversation, thinking about that, knowing our limits, and perhaps a starting point is to 
I do as what you said, and the, the person who kind of has that once a year fast, knowing that that's their limit, but also not stopping there, then kind of thinking, okay, what do, what do I need to do before that so that I don't kind of burn out? And what kind of what things can I put in place in my day-to-day routine and, and week-to-week routine? And it's going to be so different from, from person to person because the last thing you want is to introduce a set of rules that in, in a per- busy person's life when you introduce a set of rules without context those rules that are intended to help actually create more stress as well so um you know i I have actually a lot of uh, children young people and families that come to see me because they've been told to do x y and z to solve their problems and it's created more problems in their lives so i'm just coming from that context about understanding that all of us are so different um and we need to find different ways that that uh, we might manage that you know could be similar or different to what other people might do Hey, are you enjoying this episode? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe, like, comment, and share. It helps build the algorithm so that we can get this message out to more people. See, here's the thing. We don't have these fancy sponsors. It's me paying the bills to get this show to you. So do me a favor in return, would you? Subscribe, like, comment, and share. Let's get back to the show. Um, you mentioned identity before, um, and so I kind of want to explore that, and I want to look at how does psychiatry and, and the Christian faith intersect. Uh, and I don't know if this is your phrase. Uh, I think I heard it from you, but um, you can't just pray it away, right? And I think, you know, I think within the church, we, you know, we, we kind of just have these very quick answers for things, right? You know, it's all about God and it's all about Jesus, which is wonderful, and we would all agree. And and then there's the shame of like, well, if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm, and I'm suffering with something that I can't put words to, I can't tell anybody because um, for whatever reason, you know, it's, uh, it's shameful. Like we're supposed to have it all together. And, um, and sometimes our pastors are not busy enough to maybe give us the time to be able to process anything over. So there's all of that, right? Um, so I guess, you know, our identity is always going to get better the more time we spend with God, like more godly. But but where does medicine play a role? Um, you know, because, and I've been guilty of this in years gone by. I've kind of gone, well, before you, you ever take, take medicine, you'd start with the Bible and, you know, like, and, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wildly out because it's, you know, it's becoming a bigger thing. So can you talk into like, you know, what, what role does our faith play and, 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 and praying and, and seeking a supernatural healing versus actually medicating on an issue to get a handle on it, because I mean, surely this is this is where you're spending your your days. So so how do you how do you intersect the fact that yeah we need to include God in this, but also we may need to include medicine. Absolutely, and I think um, uh, what I've kind of um, found helpful really is to not have to somehow pick sides. Um, the way I approach this really is that everything good in this world is created by God. So whether it's medicine or other practical things in business or in in family life that helps us to deal with day-to-day issues, um, although it's not necessarily produced by the church or in a Christian setting, um, God's DNA is in all creation. So everything that is good in this world is from God. It's only the misuse of those things that he's made that is that is a problem. So I see that, you know, medications can be very helpful in a, a person's journey, in their recovery in mental health. And, and, and the reason behind it is that just because the, the priest or pastor didn't 
create or develop the medicine, it doesn't mean it's not from God. So that's one theological idea that I think that's helpful for a lot of people that I've met in, in, in the education sessions that I provide. The other thing, I guess, um, is that I take um, a journey back to, you know, what we know from Genesis when um, when Adam and Eve first uh, sinned and realised that they were naked, they covered themselves in fig leaves. The fig leaves, to me, represent a lot of all the, the things that we have in our day-to-day, whether it's our possessions, our wealth, our reputation, our relationships, the things around us that help to cover our sense of nakedness and shame. And through the ups and downs of life, those fig leaves fall as a result of loss and change and transition. And in, when those fig leaves fall, we can have times where we expose to a sense of guilt and shame and feel quite overwhelmed with emotions and feelings. And that's my uh, way of incorporating spirituality and uh, mental health. What is an unhelpful message, I think, um, in that has come through the history of the church is to make assumptions and spiritual interpretations of individual people's experiences without strong biblical foundations. So um, seeing a particularly unusual behavior for somebody who might be struggling with a mental health issue and making judgments that somehow they have sinned or that their family have been cursed or they need exorcism. So that's been some of the unhelpful messages that have come through the history of the church. But I think over time, uh, with better understanding, uh, with improved education, more conversations, more people speaking out, that narrative is changing. And the, I think the biggest impact of what's helped to change that in the church really is um, a, a pastors and leaders um, speaking out about their own mental health experiences, being that role model and the power of their lived experience story that changes um, the dynamics in terms of some of the issues about stigma. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've just mentioned a lot of different things in a, in a, in a, in a, in a short period of time, but, but really... Um, it's a combination of kind of having a good theological foundation in terms of how we understand suffering, how we understand um, uh, the world that we live in, um, how we understand what God's intended for us and what his kingdom looks like here, uh, but also um, understanding um, the, the, the history and the journey that we've been through as, as a church, as an, as an institution as well, and then thinking about how we can uh, perhaps uh, be helpful to the people that we're trying to reach um, through a better understanding um, in terms of medicine, uh, psychiatry, mental health, and, and, and those aspects of, of trying to you know, hold some of those ideas together rather than necessarily seeing that it has to be spiritual or physical. It has to be in or outside the church. And, and so I, I think... Um, What's helped me is really having that 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 idea that really God created the world and he, his his DNA is um, across all of creation. Love it. All right, so Danny, there would be people that are listening right now, driving in a car, running on a treadmill, just chilling out, whatever, doing some work, who literally are listening to this conversation and they're going, "I'm not okay." Like I, I know that I'm carrying a huge amount of anxiety, or or even I'm having panic attacks, or. I'm, I'm having some really unhealthy thoughts and, and I don't know what to do about this and I've been carrying this burden for years. What would you say would be some real practical first steps for them to take now if they're feeling that? Yeah, 
Absolutely. I think the first step is actually reaching out to someone to have a conversation. It could be someone that you trust, a family member, your pastor, connect group leader, your friend, your colleague, um, you know, and, and, and actually kind of reach out and speak out. And there's no um, perfect way of doing that. Sometimes just saying I, I need help or be able to reach out in that sense. There are also um, uh useful resources like Lifeline uh, that you can call and kind of initiate that conversation. There are also um, supports uh, through your GP and through getting a mental health care plan that kind of can help you address some specific mental health difficulties. But I, I think the first step to any of those situations is to kind of start a conversation with anyone not and someone that you trust and not necessarily trying to find um, the perfect way to express um, uh, those experiences before you try and work out what that is. And the way I would, the, the question I often get in this space really is, uh, do I need it? How do I know if I need help? And so similarly, you know, if I, if I had a lump in my, my face and I don't know what it is, I wouldn't just go, um, I wouldn't just sit on it. I'll go and seek advice. And it may not be anything sinister. It might just be something mild, but you would still go and, check it out. So I, I think if you've got questions or doubts or, or something has come up, it's important to reach out through a number of different resources, whether it's um, informal help through uh, connections in your life and, and relationships in your life, uh, the confidential helplines uh, through your GP. Um, so there are a number of different ways that we can um, also, also reach out, but I, often you don't necessarily need to be sure that you've got a problem to be able, before you actually speak out and get help and, and be able to, to, and you'd be surprised that when um, you speak out the number of people around you that actually have similar experiences and haven't spoken up as well. And sometimes by speaking out for yourself, you're actually helping someone else too by normalizing that process and taking away that stigma and fear from being able to express some of those um, challenges in our life and, and getting help for those. Yeah, because if, if we had a physical health issue and we went and sought help and then we found out there's actually nothing wrong, we would be really happy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it could very well be the case that you're like, I'm not sure, but I want to go process this with somebody. And what you're saying is don't overthink it, just, just start. Yeah. You may realize that actually there's, there's nothing wrong. Well, isn't that just a wonderful thing if you then process it and realize, now we're, 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 we're all kind of good here, but we can make it something that it isn't. And I think one of the elements here is the spiritual element of the accuser of the brethren, right? And as long as we keep it in our own mind, the enemy's just there pounding you with lies and deceit and twisting your thoughts. I have found that the minute you talk about something, it's almost like, all of that bound up energy from, from the devil that tries to take us out falls away. Because as long as it's just internal, it just becomes this massive minefield of, of conversation. And, you know, and, and the Bible says that he'll never stop, right? So, so just by sharing things, I have found that in the past, it, it's almost like the attack from the enemy falls away. Absolutely. And um, this, um, this relating to what I said, uh, earlier around the, the fig leaves when the fig leaves fall we experience a sense of shame and that's a common feeling that everyone feels when they're struggling with a, a private 
uh, definitely a challenge. And then be able to speak that out and be able to put that out in the open takes away that kind of sense of, of shame and guilt and be able to truly be able to live out what Romans tells us that really nothing can separate us from the love of, of God. So knowing that even though we're going through a, a difficult time of feeling bad about ourselves, those feelings in itself actually do not separate us from the love of God. And that takes away the power of the accuser. Um, and being able to speak that out confirms uh, that um, that reality for us, but also be able to, to bring someone into our life that can speak to us and walk with us uh, in that journey. Because it's so important to stay connected. It's so important to have different perspectives. And if, if we just speak, if we kind of, uh, sit within our internal turmoil. It's like, you know, you have a conversation with, your, with yourself and you actually uh, don't end up having a different perspective and you get stuck with within your own kind of thinking. So speak to someone in sometimes, yes. And sometimes you take a risk. Sometimes it's, it's not going to be helpful hundred percent of the time, but if you keep trying, don't give up. Sometimes you might say something to the first person and it wasn't helpful going to speak to someone else. You know, just um, uh, don't give up. I, I just want to be real that sometimes when we, when we speak up, it's not always going to be the first person you speak to isn't going to be the most understanding person necessarily. We hope that over time, more and more people will know how to uh, respond. But um, if you encounter an experience where um, you've, you've shared with someone and it hasn't been helpful, go and speak to someone else or, or work out work things up with someone that you trust don't give up just keep trying you know what i love so much about what we're talking about here and 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 what i love so much about you and what you're sharing is that we're taking the extremes out of the equation and we're exploring the healthy middle ground so rather than in or out black or white we're, we're you know this whole conversation is about figuring things out in the middle which i think makes it far more sustainable i want to move to possessions and wealth because i know that you've got some 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 really you know, strong wisdom around the traps, I guess, of that, and 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 I guess the the psychology that can be affected by that that in, incessant pursuit of wealth and and things like that, and and how our identity can be matched up in our material possessions and things like that. So, could you just talk into that? Like, what are some of your experiences that you've seen, and and help us get a handle on how can we proactively pursue building a great business, building revenue, building profits, and not letting it own us and control us? Um, I, I guess I'm just relating that uh, your, your question to my experience in, in my field of work where I see a number of people that, that come and um, uh, seek help uh, during periods of mental health crises. And usually um, there's um, issues around sort of loss, where there's loss of a job or relationship or uh, financial struggles, um, stress and anxiety relating to the loss of those things that you've mentioned in terms of uh, possessions, material wealth and so forth. And then what I, what I experience or see is that different people respond to that, that's a similar losses differently. And my, my take on that is it really depends on how strongly tied up that, that material possession or that the reputation issue or, or relationship that you have or your business, how strongly that's tied in with your identity. The more strongly it's tied to your identity, the greater the impact of that um, loss is going to be. And so it's really important for us to be able to understand and reflect on um, 
actually knowing who we are, who we belong to, where we've come from, and who we are without those things. So sometimes it's inevitable, I imagine, through the ups and downs of life that we experience loss and challenges. It's similar in business, you build a business, you take risks, sometimes things don't always work, work out, and we sort of see um, loss as, um, as periods of failure. But actually, it's in those periods of loss that we can actually use those times to, to really examine who we are without those things. Because it's very easy to say it when we are doing well, that, no, I've got a strong identity, you know, I'm not tied up to my possessions until, you know, it comes to crunch time and when we're experiencing those actual challenges. I would say that give you know, um, obviously I'm not saying that we necessarily need those times to develop identity alone. But if we are going through those challenging times when we experience experience loss, um, it's important for us to not just kind of pray it away or wait for that um, period to just move on and, and lose the opportunity for that to be a forming part of working out who we are as people, because that's often a learning opportunity to know who we are without those things. How can I be uh, secure in myself so that when I rebuild, uh, whether it's your business or relationship or possessions or other any aspect of, of your life, then we're clear about what those extra things are and the purpose that they 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 the purpose of those things in our life with respect to our identity. And, and then perhaps we're not so strongly tied up to those things in terms of um, who we are as people. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's important for us to have a perspective for knowing what we what we have and what we're given and, and being good stewards of that, um, being responsible in, in growing the resources that we, we've got, but also knowing that there, there are ups and downs in life and our journey through life is not to um, avoid those downtimes. It's about how we face those downtimes. So uh, kind of a, a, a often um, conversation that comes up uh, in my field of work with regards to resilience is that resilience isn't about kind of avoiding problems in our life. Resilience is actually being able to approach the ups and downs with this sense of hope and optimism, knowing what the big picture is, but also seeking the opportunities in the down times, in the problem times, in the troubled times, in spite of how painful that might feel. I think the rich young ruler was a wonderful example of somebody who had their identity was completely inside what they owned, you know, and you know, for those listening, of course, it's the story where it comes to Jesus. What have I got to do to inherit eternal life? Anyway, was give away, sell all your possessions and follow me. And he said, oh, there's, I can't do that. And, um, and he went away sad, is what scripture says. And so he was prepared to do nearly everything, except we could work out where his identity was, right? It was in his wealth. And that's where his security came from. And we don't know what happened with that story um, from there. But you know, I think the only antidote, I, this is how I've processed what you're saying. We have to learn to hold things loosely, right? And we can hold them loosely when we know who we are without those things, right? If we really, I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a holy nation, I am chosen, gifted, favored, sealed, right? Spending life in eternity, regardless of if my business does a dollar this year or a million dollars a minute, right? And, um, 
and I and I think I think obviously you're right. I only learned to put language to those things when it was really hard. When 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 we're flying, right? It's easy to be on Instagram, hey, you know. But 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 I tell you what, like the GFC, like I remember, you know, I started a coaching practice eight months before the world fell apart. It's like, man, that that'll <laughs> that'll get you to figure some things out, you know obviously COVID, that'll get you back on your knees to figure some things out, you know. Um, you know, most people are pretty aware that one year after I got married to my beautiful wife, we were on a very different page and looking to probably not stay together, but we got help. And through that period, I had to figure out who I was and praise God, three beautiful children stayed married and wonderful. But they're the periods of time that I worked out <laughs> Who, who I was in God and, and what mattered in life really. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's wonderful that we can make it that practical, you know, um, and, and, and start to, it, it's such a phenomenal foundation when you work out who you are and whose you are, and then everything can be added on top of that, right? And, 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 it, and it's just a blessing at that point. Um, whereas if your identity is tied to things or, or status or pride or, you know, all the then then when they get taken away, which they inevitably will in this world, right, where things change every five seconds, then uh, then you don't crash and burn. So I think that's that's just a wonderful way of putting it. Um, we we have this last question that we ask everybody, uh, Danny, and it goes like this: How is the kingdom of God advancing because of Doctor Danny's life? <laughs> um, try not to stuff other people's lives up <laughs> would be a good start uh, look um I, I think i'm learning i've been i've learned so much really in the last few years from um the pastors uh in the churches i've attended um throughout um the, 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 especially in the last few years that kind of have uh, um spoken to my life that has then allowed me to to grow into, into this space uh to be able to um uh, perhaps contribute and take my work skills outside the the doors of my my clinical work and and, and sort of bring together my uh, professional skills and um, my church life in, in, that, in that sense. So I feel really um, privileged in terms of being able to, to speak into those spaces. I have really enjoyed uh, the conversations and people I've met through the talks I've delivered in churches in terms of helping to understand, helping people to understand mental health issues better, um, helping to support um, and, and provide a bit of a framework around understanding uh, mental health difficulties, um, providing like the coaching and training in, 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 in that aspect in terms of contributing to the discipleship in a, in a, in a different way. So I've really found that in, enjoyable and I um, have a number of those um, 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 projects uh, lined up over the course of the year. Um, so, you know, delivering those talks. So I, I feel like I am helping and contributing in that space, uh, being a bit of a resource to some of the pastors and leaders that I've come in contact with, um, helping to clarify things. You know, so I've been a bit of a resource person in that in that sense um, for um, a number of different uh, ministry leaders in, in churches. Um, and but also I think uh, being able to take some of those experiences back into my workplace as well in terms of 
you know, I think sometimes it's easy, easy, not necessarily easy, but it's so different sitting in this professional space, being quite separated from what is real life experiences of people. So the stories that I hear from uh, pastors, leaders, or through the talks I delivered around the real life challenges that people are experiencing um, helps me to have a, a different perspective about how I do my clinical work. Because sometimes, you know, when someone comes and see me, to see me, they, might, they're not tell, they may not tell me the whole story because they might feel judged or they might feel afraid or they may, may think oh, I'm not being, I won't be interested to hear about that. But I think having that connection in other spaces helps me to um, hold a different mindset and perspective about what my patients will be experiencing when they come and see me. That helps me to do my job better. So I think I'm trying to bring my two worlds together even, even closer. Mm. And, and I think that's what I'm, I'm so, you know, what blesses me so much in this conversation is you're at this wonderful like nexus point where you're in the marketplace with probably some radical ungodly conversations and thinking going on in there and you get to you get to take your faith into the marketplace which which is really good because you can advocate for the things of god but also you get to take what works in the marketplace practically and kind of help the church get some handles on some things and and you are this wonderful conduit actually to get the best of both worlds and the, and i guess the two lots of smarts to work incredibly well and break down a bunch of barriers in the meantime. So it's, um, it's wonderful that you get to, to play that role and, and I'm super blessed to be able to have this conversation with you today, Danny. Um, I just appreciate you and, uh, and it wouldn't be easy doing what you're doing uh, on a daily basis. So just blessings on you as you go fight for those families and fight for those kids. Thanks, Wes. It's so uh, great to have a chat with you. I've learned so much from this conversation today. So guys, as you've been listening to this, uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you um, and I hope that uh, it'll, it'll have some handles on your business. Uh, we might just link up here a few URLs for you that if you're feeling uh, this, just some of the generic places that you could reach out to, uh, some of the things that the doctor said like Lifeline and things like that. We'll just put some URLs here and some phone numbers for you just so you can do that. But it doesn't have to be those guys. You can reach out to your pastor, your best friend, you know, your person at church, just go and grab five minutes and, and start the conversation. And I think, uh, I think if that's where you're at, you'll see that that starts a, a wonderful journey for you guys. All right, we will be back next week with another episode. Between now and then, why don't you execute on what we covered today? Bless you.